Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. Join Chris and Drew, two self-proclaimed booze pundits with a lifetime of industry experience as they walk you through the alcohol business and how today's headlines affect the industry. Each week, the guys will be joined by a special guest that will help them break down these stories and offer their own expertise to the podcast. So, pour yourself a glass of your favorite drink and sit back. This is the Good Bottle Podcast. What is Welcome up? Welcome to the Good we Bottle Podcast. Back. Join And still with audio issues. Yes. Uh, to be fair, we did buy a new sound pad today that will hopefully will fix these things moving forward. But we got it today. Today. Even though we took like six weeks off that we could have done this. We fucking did it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that goes out to Justin because we're never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever going to fix it. Well, it's part of our brand now. Yeah. Especially the rough stop. That's right. about to get out of uh, no fade out ever. It's gonna be it's gonna be like the pineapple in sight, right? It's gonna be okay. What did the guys fuck up this time? Are you referencing a show that only you watched? Look here, motherfucker. It was on for at least six seasons. Okay, so this is this is an episode where we're back. We're back in the saddle. We've taken some time off. We're well rested, and we actually have a live audience for the first time ever. Who are muted? Who are muted? They don't need to have volume for this. Raise your hand if you were a watcher of the show's psych. Wow. No hands. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you guys. First of all. No, I'm good. So hopefully somebody somebody at home is just kind of like friends. (laughs) It's clearly not because of psych. Obviously. God damn it. Well, well, I'm not introducing you now. I'm just going to shut up for the rest of this time. Well, my name is Drew, and I Hi, Drew. really, really enjoy talking about spirits and top stories and bringing in amazing people. Today is no exception, and I'm really excited for this, even though I'm getting like a little bit of echo in my headphones, and so it's throwing me off to a certain degree. So I'm going to move those back. But today's guest is a former and probably future bartender a current activist, a food and drinks enthusiast, a future Hall of Famer in disc golf, and before change founder, our guest today is Mr. Sam Miller. Sam, thank you for coming to the show. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Um, so we are really excited to be doing this in person. Um, a couple of people in the audience were made the trip up you with you from San Francisco to Sacramento to enjoy it, and you guys got to experience the beauty of a closed down Sacramento on a Monday. Um, how was it trying to find somewhere to eat? Uh, it was challenging. Um, <laughs> we, we ended up uh, in great hands and we had a great time, but uh, all of the places on our original list were closed today. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, so for our listeners at home, you do have a pretty vibrant history in the bar industry and you have some fun things on the horizon, but why don't you tell everybody at home kind of what your background is, what you're really into when it comes to spirits. And then also what what are you sipping on in that, that little glass of yours? Yeah. So, um, I, um, have been in the industry pretty much my entire life. I started at 14 years old working in the back of house at a teriyaki grill called Samurai Sam's, believe it or not. Uh, worked pretty much every position in back of house, front of house, uh, from prep cook, dishwasher, line cook, server, bartender, host, expo, management, 
uh, and everything in between. So um, hospitality is is a huge part of my life. It's what I love. I love taking care of people and showing them a good time. Um, it's also given me the opportunity to travel around the country. I've lived in um, ski towns in Utah, Jackson Hole, Wyoming, uh, Colorado, uh, the beautiful beaches of uh, Honolulu on, uh, on the island of Oahu, uh, and then now San Francisco, California. So it's been an amazing journey and um, been making drinks and making friends all along the way. And making quite a big impact as well. Uh, like you said, you are one of the founders of Before Change. So can you tell the listeners at home a little bit about that? Definitely. Uh, Before Change stands for Bartenders for Change. Um, it is a, a group of colleagues that we got together during the lockdown. Um, we all had a lot of time on our hands. It was just after the uh, murder of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. So we were in the streets, we were marching, we kind of all saw each other at all of these protests and marches and kind of felt the need to continue the conversation specifically in the hospitality community. Uh, we kind of were in this time where bars and restaurants were trying to figure out what to say, how to say it. We saw great responses. We saw terrible responses. We saw no response. Um, and so we kind of came together to originally help our company kind of formulate what that response should be and a, a message that they could put out to support all of the people of color who work for the company and all of the guests who care about social justice matters and things like that. So that brought us together. And quickly we realized that this issue is much larger than our company. So we kind of decided to form a consulting group that is focused on making our industry more diverse and equitable for everyone involved. So we have created a hospitality training program for people in marginalized communities, for people in the industry who are kind of stuck in back of house or, or support roles to elevate people's skills and knowledge uh, learning from some industry professionals, uh, the group uh, of co-founders in Before Change. We have a, about a collective 60 years of hospitality experience. Um, and so we thought, hey, let's share our knowledge with everyone and try and collectively bring people up in the industry. Um, and then the other kind of piece to that is once uh, the second COVID lockdown <clears throat> came into effect and we all found ourselves out of work again, um, we kind of shifted focus to community action. And, you know, bars and restaurants were closed. No one had a staff to train or anything like that. So we started a clothing drive, which we've been doing for the last 10 months um, in San Francisco's Tenderloin neighborhood. We collect clothes, jackets, shoes, accessories, everything. Um, we put together hygiene kits with a, another a collective called Feed the People. And we basically set up a, a mobile thrift store of sorts that is uh, for the community. Anyone is welcome to come and shop and, you know, get fitted and, and feel better about themselves. So it's been really successful. And uh, now we're kind of pivoting back to some hospitality focus, but we want to keep our, our community action alive. 
Very cool. And so I know that you were you were formerly at the the Tiki Bar Zombie Village and and kind of taking your charitable efforts to another level. You just participated in a fundraiser where one of the potential um I guess prizes, awards, yeah. however you want to do it, the one that I'm hoping to win based off my donation is a like private instruction on tropical drinks. Um and so Unfortunately, we're recording this after it's closed, but it was very successful. It was amazingly successful beyond what we expected, definitely. And how and so what was the what was the program and then how much money did you guys raise just for the opportunity to shake drinks with you? <laughs> I can't take all the credit. Uh we got 30 prizes uh, donated from friends, artists, um, other bars, uh, other industry professionals um, that donated uh, gifts to our fundraiser and raffle. Uh, We put together a seminar for Tiki Oasis highlighting the contributions of Harry Yi, a Chinese-American bartender who uh, grew up in Honolulu, Hawaii, and worked at the Hilton Hawaiian Village through the 50s, 60s, and 70s, um, and is responsible for creating over 15 tropical cocktails that we all still make today in, in most of our bars. So uh, we created a seminar to kind of highlight Harry Yee's accomplishments and contributions. And then we also put together a fundraiser associated with this seminar to raise money for um, the AAPI and Asian American community here um, to help uh, fight the terrible violence that we've seen um, happening to that community. So uh, this came together uh, through the Tiki Oasis Diversity and Inclusion Council, which I sit on the board of, um, but we're kind of people, like-minded individuals who are trying to make Tiki a more diverse and inclusive space. Um, And so part of this was kind of, you know, giving a voice to a community that is not normally represented in the Tiki world. So uh, this, the fundraiser just finished today, actually at two o'clock and we finished our total number is $20,001 that we raised for advancing justice um, for the Asian American community. A, uh, a nonprofit based out of Washington, D.C. that is focused on fighting violence and hate crimes against the Asian American community. That's really awesome. That's so fucking cool. Yeah. Thank you, everyone who donated, who supported our cause. Uh, it, the love is so real. We're all so excited how successful this, this was. Uh, we do still have a tribute mug that we created for all of you mug collectors out there. Um, we made a kind of recreation of a mug that was served in the shell bar at the Hilton Hawaiian village in the fifties, um, when Harry Yi created the Tapa punch and this cocktail was served in the Tapa mug and we have recreated that and it's available for purchase. Still, um, you can contact the Contigo Tiki bar. Uh, on Instagram for any mug purchases and 25% of all those mug sales is going to that same nonprofit. Uh, So you can still contribute if you would like, and you can get a piece of, uh, of history. That's awesome. 
So yeah, definitely, definitely go check that out. Um, Chris, I'm going to throw this to you. I went downstairs. We're recording at the good bottle shop on the good bottle podcast. It's a little inception-y, but, um, I grabbed a bottle out of the fridge and when I looked at it, I was like, there's a goose on this. Never had a goose on a bottle before. I want to drink it. So can you tell us about this yeah, I, lovely, lovely sparkling? I did what wine? you're not supposed to do, and I, I bought a uh, I bought a bottle of wine based on based on the image, right? Based on the bottle, mostly so I could look at it and say, "Talk to me, goose." <laughs> See, it's it's Here funny. You <laughs> it's like you you went you went Top Gun, <laughs> and I went more like. Billy Madison, <laughs> you know, never seen a blue duck, but I've never seen a goose bottle. Yes. I wanted to drink it. Yes. Oh man. Uh, uh, fabulous. Fabulous is rad. It's coming. It's coming out of, uh, uh, Paso Robles. Uh, this is their, um, number 87. So every, every bottle, every, um, wine that they produce, every wine bottle, um, uh, is attached to a, uh, a fable of sorts. Um, and not of sorts. I mean, a fucking fable. It's, fable. it's goddamn name of the <laughs> fucking brand. Um, and uh, why this one is uh, number eighty-seven? Uh, the goose with the golden egg. Uh, I don't know. It is uh, <laughs> insider info. No, I think I, I like. I, I, I legitimately think that they they just they decided they wanted their blanc de blanc to be goose. Not not really sure why. I'm sure someone's going to reach out and correct us at some point in time. But it is a Blanc de Blanc from the Fabulous Wine Company. Um, these guys out of Paso Robles always um, very much like field recordings. Uh, and uh, and um, oh, I'm a dick. And um, somebody else that we're not drinking. Yep. <laughs> they make Belle de Nuit. Uh, uh, Union Sacra. Um mm-hmm. Uh, always punch way outside of their weight class uh, in terms of booze. This is a Blanc de Blanc, which for those of you who don't know is uh, very similar to champagne. It is made in a champagnois style. Uh, this one sits on our shelf at $25 uh, and it is fucking delicious. It's not like champagne complex, but God damn it. It's crushable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's delicious. I'm, into I'm enjoying it. it. It's, it's so good. And, and I know a lot of our listeners will know that, uh, if you've been listening since day one, first of all, I apologize. Second, um, um you're been, welcome. It's, That's it, what you mean. It's, it's been a journey for me in terms of sparkling wine, champagnes and, and different, uh, like Prosecco's all, all the different ones, pet nuts. And right now I think I'm in peak sparkling mode. That's all I'm buying. Like I have no interest in like any other wine. I've tried to drink other wines and I'm like this bores me. So like I need I need I need bubbles. bubbles. Yeah, give me those bubbles <laughs> dancing on my palate. And this and and mind you for for our new listeners, there was a point where I was like I'm not interested in champagne. I'm not interested in any sparklings. It's awful. Turns out when you spend more than $10, they start to get better. They're so much better. <laughs> They're so much better. <laughs> But, uh, but now like I, and, and I think like most, most people, um, especially in an industry, like, you know, you just go through waves of stuff, right. Where you just kind of find yourself like, I'm only drinking this type of rum right now. I'm only drinking this type of mezcal or this type of thing. And then it's, and so right now I am just full blown, whatever is sparkling. I'm interested. Just put it in my mouth. So that's, that's right. What, what were you about to say about that? Well, the reason that we decided to drink sparkling tonight, uh, is also why we have a live audience. 
sitting sitting with us, and I, I will introduce at least one of them. <laughs> so that made me laugh. <laughs> Uh, uh, our most popular uh, podcast guest that we've had on our show recently, uh, Mr. Jason Wild, who showed up and just said, we need some fucking bubbles. Fucking bubbles. Like, how do you get a uh, party started? What's that? Say that again. How do you get a party started without bubbles? You, you, you can't get a, um, you can't get them started without, without bubbles. And so, um, so that's why we had to do it. This was this was definitely running. So we were. I thought you could get the party started without black eyed peas. Is it both? <laughs> both. Yes. Well, we just and we just informed. I we had it we just informed Jason as well as like he is today our most popular episode. The end of year, end of the world highlight of twenty twenty. That's right. Episode. <laughs> that's right. Is our number one episode of all time. Yeah, we were at uh, peak depression. Which is why we needed Jason. We needed to bring in the ultimate smile. And that's what that's Jason right. Brown brings to the table is no that doubt. he is just like unbelievably smiley. And then, and what's funny, Jason reached out to us a couple of days ago when he found out that Sam was going to be on the podcast, which I was, which I was excited about for a couple of different reasons. Cause I'm always excited when his name pops up on my phone. And then second, I was like, someone's actually excited to be on our podcast and he's telling people, like, <laughs> this, is, this is really great. Um, so then, you know, they like I said, they they came up on the train up to Sacramento and got to experience the wonder of Monday Sacramento's now. But uh, thriving, yeah, thriving, yeah, yeah. Well, we don't have enough people to work anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's right. Um, you guys spent the time at the pool though this afternoon, so that's all right. Yes, yeah, it's great. Yeah, that's pretty much all you can do uh, at this point. But but Jason, it's 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 great to see you. It's great to meet your your friend as well, which I'm totally blanking on your name right now. So, what is Sean. It? Sean. Sean. He's got a great smile, you guys. We'll take a picture later. And you're like, how do you forget that? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I was blinded by beauty. Um, so uh, thank you guys for, for being our first live audience. And uh, hopefully also, we'll have more. Also, for the record, I've been wanting to have live audiences for at least a year now. And Drew keeps fighting me on it. Like, hard fighting me on so it. So he Trojan horsed me with Jason Wilde. Unfair. He <laughs> 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 can't say no to him. It's just ridiculous. Uh, but I think I think that's uh, a great a great place and way to 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 transition to stories and opinions that we have from reputable sources. Oh my god! I'm not even looking at the script. So I was I was absolutely going to look at my script and I was like, I'll be fine. I was not fine. I did not nail that at all, but I will get this part. So we're going to jump into our first story, which is the Hanyo Distillery is going to reopen. And you guys might remember this. This was this calls back to one of our sexy bottles, which was one of our uh, features on the show where we would talk about ridiculous, ridiculous auction items and auction bottles. And the um, the one that the Hanyo used to do was the Ichiro Card Series, which sold for hundreds of thousands of dollars late last year. And so the distillery is going to be reopened. It ran from 1980 to 2000, and they're going to be building it back out based on old blueprints of what that distillery was, and specifically the pot still that they were using. So Chris, I'm going to throw to you first. When I first sent you the story, what was your initial reaction, knowing that we have talked about the Etro Car Series before? I think my text to you was, holy fucking shit, this is amazing. And hopefully it doesn't suck. 
and hopefully it doesn't suck. Yeah. What did do I you, say that? Did I say you didn't? You didn't say that. No, that was that was a subtext. Yeah, it, it definitely. <laughs> I definitely think it was that. And you know, and I think this this is obviously a reaction to the popularity of Japanese whiskey right now, and the fact that it is now possible to get a distilling license again, which we have discussed numerous times on the show that it was very very hard for anybody not named. Jim, you know, beam or yeah, Centauri to, you know, to do that. Um, but now people can actually get different distilling licenses. And I think this is going to be really fun. Um, obviously they're going to be building off of this, off of this really popular name and one that's kind of, you know, has, has almost like this rare mystique about it. Because again, this distillery closes in 2000, the Japanese whiskey explosion, 2012, do we want to chalk it up to that? I don't. Do we have I, Do we have a general I, agreement I mean, the in the audience? The explosion being being like when it won whiskey of the world. When or? when he shall who shall not be named of the whiskey bible <laughs> <laughs> probably described it as some sexy sensual bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was took the took the Yamazaki eighteen right. cherry cask, I believe. And was like, this is changing the world, thus starting. I mean, I, I think despite whatever sort of descriptors might have been attached to it, I was not wrong. I mean, change the world. The, the second that you had Japanese whiskey win, and then you had Thai whiskey, Thai, right? The uh, the um, the Cavalon, right? I think yeah. I think actually the Amru got one first, and then Cavalon might have been after, or, okay. or, or vice versa. Either yeah. way. Some type of all of a sudden Asian like, Asian whiskeys were exploding. All of a sudden, we started hearing people say, "I want Scotch from Africa." <laughs> <laughs> I still hear that, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, it just it did change the world, right? I mean, people all of a sudden were were um, were talking about whiskey um, from literally everywhere, right? I mean, I mean, we're talking about whiskey now from like Philippines and shit. And it's, it's great. Like, that's cool. There's so much and exploration that needs to like occur people to get outside of their grocery store purchases. And, and this is, these are definitely it, except now none of us can find Yamazaki 18. None of us can find anything from Hibiki. None of us can find anything from Centauri except for, or afford it or afford it. Like I can find it, but I'm not going to pay a thousand dollars no i'd much i'd much rather buy it at wholesale and then sell it and make that thousand dollars right (laughs) and spend 70 of it on uh some uh compass box spaniard so um so sam there's there's obviously a lot of expectations that that come with this and i actually do think that you're a good person to to ask this question because you know you've been a part you were a part of the zombie village opening correct Correct. Right. So lots of lots of expectations because of the people that were involved. And and personally, I think it was beautifully executed and you guys nailed it. But now you have this distillery who, again, has become kind of infamous and closed way before it was ever going to be popular. I don't know if I've ever seen anybody talk about how the Etro card series ever tasted. It's just it had cool yeah. it had cool bottles and then it became very popular and, it's, and it sells for a lot of money now. But when you have expectations of what this is supposed to be and people without question are going to associate it with these bottles that sold for hundreds of thousands of dollars, what would your advice be to this new distillery that has all these expectations similar to like what you guys had to be like? You know, 
what's what's the key to not disappointing people? Yeah, I don't know if there's a, a actual answer to that question, um, but I think honestly, as long as you, they come at that project with love and compassion and and wanting it to be the best, I I think that's really what it takes, right? Like when we built Zombie Village, we we're coming off. Um, the opening of Pagan Idol, which has been, you know, one of the most successful bars in our company and also nationally recognized uh, cocktail program. And so we, we kind of had that mentality of like, we have to swing for the fences. We have to go big. We want this to be the best bar anyone's ever been to. And if you really believe it, you know, I, I helped build Zombie Village for five months. Like I was there doing construction for 12 hours a day, six days a week. And if you put that love and that care into it, like there's not really a way for it not to be good. I don't. And I think there, there's for sure a lot of excitement and that was demonstrated by, they did like a, basically a GoFundMe in Japan and the money was going to be set aside in order to build out their tasting room, which drew a little bit of criticism because they're building this big distillery and there's some big names already behind it. But I'm looking at it right now. It's the it's it's closed because they've they've hit their goal. And and while I'm very proud of the money that you raised and the goals that you destroyed, they raised 26 million yen Whoa. crowdsourcing, Whoa. which <laughs> eclipsed their goal. So so it shows a percentage of how over it's two thousand six hundred and twenty two percent over of what of what they had decided to do. So that I'm just fundraising. Yeah. So I'm just gonna throw that out there next time that you guys want to raise some money. We'll do better. Just <laughs> just reopen a mothball distillery that everybody is interested in. <laughs> you know what's really funny about this story is um, uh, I was actually talking to my brother earlier today. Uh, and he, my brother's the, like the perfect everyman example of how little people really know about the industry or how much, I guess, we live it and breathe it and assume other people know a lot more about the industry. So my brother is talking to me and he he's like, so, so Japanese whiskey, you know, uh, you hear about Mike Pompeo? And I was like, what? <laughs> no. Uh, and apparently someone found a, a bottle in Mike Pompeo's collection that he was gifted while uh, in office. Uh, that was the cost of like a car. So like, I, and I'm not sure the brand either. I got, my brother didn't know. Well, I thought remember, wasn't, it wasn't, like, wasn't the bottle stolen is I think the story that I read. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. There was a bottle that was gifted to him and it was, you know, a Japanese whiskey that was then stolen and gone Poor guy. Real, heart really goes out to that guy. <laughs> but it was really funny, you know, because my brother was like blown away by this. He was like, there's whiskey that costs like as much as a car. And I was like, a car? Yeah. I was like, whiskey that costs as much as a goddamn house. Yeah. And I brought up the story about, about the card series. Yeah. And my brother had never heard of it, never knew that there was like this collection or anything like that. Also, my brother was the same person who, uh, when we were getting open, uh, went to lunch over at Ella when the world was open and uh, tried Pappy for the first time. And he was like, I don't know if you've ever heard about this stuff, but you should, <laughs> you should definitely be trying to carry that when you're open. I'm like, I'll definitely aim for that, bud. Thanks, bro. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. You're really looking out for me like <laughs> usual doing your due diligence. Uh, so, but it, it lived up to the hype for him though. 
Because I mean, he w- he probably would have paid serious money at Ella for that pour. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I just was, find that hard to. Bl- I just I've, I've yeah. never. Like, I I think he was blown away by the price and had to like find out what it was about. Yeah, I think that was more of what it was. Okay, so so I have a question for for the both of yous. Use yes, juice guys, use guys. Sam, if you could reopen any closed distillery, oh, and then if you guys have an answer, and, and I'm talking to the audience here because you can't see me pointing on a podcast, um, what distillery would you reopen? Caroni, Trinidad, and Tobago. So, okay, now. I, I I thought I thought that was going to be the answer because I do think that that's that's definitely one that people go. To. I was on a, it was in a tasting on Saturday with uh, with Raj from Glass from Glass Rev who does like Amrut, Black Adder, mm. and a bunch of other super super rad products. And we were talking about Caroni, but apparently it's pronounced differently there, mm-hmm. like Ceroni or something. What? That. Like that's how they pronounce it locally. And you know, oh. and I'm obviously not going to take the okay, stand so, of, so far of listeners... white guy being like, "You're wrong, Ceroni." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that was. So yeah, so if anybody if anybody else has heard that, it was it was the first time I'd ever heard anybody mentioning that that Crony might be pronounced that. differently. Yeah. And to I mean, we settled on the fact like, well, it's closed, doesn't matter. So um <laughs> but I mean, those bottles are still out there though. I mean, the bottles are still out there. Yeah, and they're definitely some of them are in my collection. So yep. you know, you can always come to my yep. house and drink them. But um, but yeah, I, I just I had never heard that before, even though you know, Caroni is one of those rums too that that like if you really enjoy licking hot asphalt, it's the perfect rum for you. You know, like that and gasoline, as well. <laughs> yeah, like, like some gas poured on the hot asphalt. Yeah, and I and and I I just I just think that that's like one of the it's like one of those things that I I compare and this is this is uh, terrible, but um, you have to be in a very specific mood in my view to, to drink Corona. It's kind of like Schindler's list. Like you're not just like, you're not just going to throw that movie on. Right. (laughs) But that's what like, but that's what Corona is to me. Corona is the Schindler's list of rums where it's kind of like, listen, I'm going to drink it because it's, it's, it's very enjoyable. It's very, it's it, but I got to be in the right mood to, to enjoy that rum. No doubt. I will say throughout the years, I've gotten to taste some different independent bottlers uh, expressions of of Caroni that has been aged in other places and different finishes and what have you. But uh, the one that kind of like broke the mold for me was the uh, Duncan Taylor Caroni. Mm. And it's like a different side. It's, it's a little bit softer. It's a little more elegant. And, and that's the one that I kind of taste when I'm doing tastings with my staff and we're talking about how to sell elevated marks and things like that. We put the Caroni 2000 on our uh, rare rum flight at Pagan Idol. And so we, we sell a fair amount of it. Yeah. And um, my, that was kind of like my juxtaposition to that it was like, here, try this Duncan Taylor. I believe it's a 15 year, um, but it, it's, it's a different side that most people don't think of when they think of Caroni. Right. No, that's awesome. And that's why I love independent bottlings because they do. I mean, first of all, they're preserving a distillery that's been closed for over 20 years at this point and be able to give you some different impressions of what it made. Chris, have you figured out what distillery you want to reopen? Yeah. You see me looking. I, so, so mine, mine is going to be, 
a doozy because I'm not exactly sure of all the details. All I know is that we couldn't get it here for a long time and I'm not, and then there's been some transition, uh, but funny enough, mine's also a rum. Um, and, and for me, it's, it's specifically the Money Musk um, mm. uh, brand and, and, um, and Clarendon Distillery. But Clarendon, was it closed down officially? I believe so. Yeah, I thought so too. And then it was recently reopened like just a couple years ago, right? Uh-huh. Okay. But it was, so it already reopened. But that was my, <laughs> because of Money Musk, Money Musk was my answer. It was like, we need this in our lives it's more often. So and it's back. It's back. You can you can back. get it. You just yeah. gotta you gotta tell yeah. your southern rep to do a better job. Is what they gotta do. Well, that's a different conversation. <laughs> I think. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> like, like not just episode. Yeah. That's an entire podcast series. <laughs> that's how we'll end this season. <laughs> we'll bring in. We'll bring, we'll, bring, like, we'll bring in all of our all of our southern reps. And any, we'll just anyone? No, no, anyone who's ever been a buyer and just be like, <laughs> just give us a clip. Give us your favorite southern complaint. Oh um, I'll give you mine right now. They, so they just re, relaunch. They just launched their their um, online purchasing. their at like at, um, Southern Wine Glaciers proof ordering yeah. system. It's fucking atrocious. I hate it so much. It's the worst. It's the worst. It's it's so bad. It's like it's. Uh, I'm trying to think of what's worse than eBay. Like I can't find anything. Facebook marketplace. Yeah, Facebook. <laughs> I love Facebook marketplace. If I could buy all of Southern's <laughs> Southern's product on Facebook marketplace, I would do that in a heartbeat. <laughs> I'm sure they'll figure it out. They got all the money in the world. Um, so I'm. I'll round it out, and I'm going to say it, it. Mine is going to be a rum distillery as well. But this is. But it's. But it's not necessarily a distillery. But they make product. I would love to see Lost Spirits go back to the Bay Area and so when they move were back up north, move back up yeah. north because something like the Polynesian that mm. you have here mm-hmm. at the shop mm-hmm. is something that um, Brian's got on, on record of saying he can't make anywhere else because the atmosphere isn't right and he needs it to be cooler. And it's like, you're not getting that in LA. You're sure shit not getting that in Las Vegas now with their new, their new facility. But like, I would love to see some of that come back. Cause then also maybe, you know, does he bring back the Cuban uh, influence one that they did? Yeah, that would be. Yeah, that. But, would, but then does that also like mess up that Jamaican? Because that Jamaican is fire. Which is it's finally back. Yeah, we, we just got we it just back. Got it yeah, too. yeah. <laughs> that one is back. You're right. You're right. So let's just have let's have multiple. He's obviously expanding. You know, just put put a put just one of those just. Open it up or work with someone who's, yeah. who he knows who's local. Well, just, you know, make another Thea, drop it in yeah. Monterey, and then just like let it, will, let will it you happen. Ex- will you explain Thea to Okay, to so to my, to my understanding, and I, I've tried to wrap my mind around this. Well, also, no one understands it except for Brian, so go ahead. Yeah, okay. That's all right. So basically, what he does is he buys distillate. So we'll, we'll say like the, the Jamaican rum that, that he had bought. You buy distillate, he puts it into this machine and it's a ser- and, it, and like he has like wood staves in it as well. And then a series of flashing lights where it does this accelerating aging period where something that might take 20 years to achieve a flavor profile is done in the matter of months, sometimes weeks. Isn't there some sonication involved as well? I thought, I thought so, there was like vibration. That's what I thought too. Yeah. It's like I mean, vibration it, with the stave. 
and it could, and it, there could be elements of that as well. I always took it as like the series of flashing lights and the the stuff that I wrote. But again, no one really knows. No one really knows. It's very like flight of the navigator, just yeah. you know. <laughs> so, um, so I, I guess I need to take another deep dive with with that. But I mean, like the last, like that was like my big takeaway. I was like, I was like, okay, I think I think I get this now, and it's clear that I don't. So, well, like but, I said, no one does except for Brian, but that's fine. But I mean, but with, with like the vibrations, like you see that in other forms, yeah, right? Like, like even, like, even like Metallica's whiskey was done right. that way. Yeah, black you know? and then and then Hudson does it. Yeah, uh, and so I feel like I feel like it has to be different like than, and maybe it's both. Maybe it's the lights and it's vibrations. It's some sort of of movement there. But um, I just I that's the other one that I like to see open. But I think we should probably. Move on to the next story. Let's keep rambling. Yeah. Okay, so in our next story, Uncle Nearest, the Tennessee whiskey, has bought an additional 53 acres. It's going to bring its total distillery coverage to 323 total acres. Uh, CEO Fawn Weaver says this will increase production and be able to offer its drinkers a, a more unique experience that they want to come back and visit again. This is a brand that we all like and enjoy. Yeah. But I think we all agree that it's distilled offsite, but then bottled in Shelby, Tennessee. Right. And probably aged as well. They probably buy the distillate and, and move it there. We know where it's we know where it's distilled. And it's distilled at, at Cascade Hollow. Cascade Hollow, which is George Dickel. Right. And they produce yeah. quite quite a bit of stuff. Right. Um, do we have theories? Sam, we'll start with you. What are they going to do with the additional 53 acres that is not going to require distilling equipment? <laughs> well, first of all, if it requires you 53 acres for distilling equipment, yeah, there's a big you're issue. You're doing something wrong. <laughs> or incredibly uh, right. I don't know. I don't or know. it's the craziest distillery you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> um, no, you know, uh, just through my um, reading uh, about what their plans are, um, they're going to try and grow some non-GMO corn, you know, and kind of get more to that grain to glass, uh, even if they're still not distilling on site. My understanding was like, they want to grow corn. I'm not sure if they're going to, you know, mill or whatever the process, but then send it to Dickel to distill that back to the distillery for more, for more aging and bottling. And then they also talked about a, a family friendly, non-alcoholic cocktail bar, which kind of blew my mind. That's, that, yeah, that's kind of cool. It's cool. And, yeah. and I think that the NA, you know, drink movement is fantastic. I love that it's a thing now and that there are NA options, but it's cool to create something that's, you know, that the parents can go to and take their kids and their kids can still enjoy it. You know, my parents dragged me to wine tastings when I was a kid and I hated it. Like there was nothing for me. But to be able to like sit at a family family friendly bar and order like a an and a cocktail is is kind of cool. Yeah, especially if it shows up in like family friendly but fun glassware. But still dope. Yeah, but still still fire. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my my very first uh cocktail bar concept that um I Obviously, get open, but I uh, was very <laughs> close to was one of an them. unfinished project from Chris Sinclair. Wow, what? 
This is a shocking development. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going with the Michael Jordan. I, uh, you miss, you miss every shot you don't take or fucking whatever. Right. Like you just, you got to keep fucking moving, man. Sport ball. God damn it. Drew. I'm pretty sure that was Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, yeah. Yeah. That was definitely a Michael Scott, Wayne Gretzky comment. Uh, uh, um, uh, but we we actively wanted and and it was in the business plan and everything like that for having having NA cocktails and this was fourteen years ago, well before like they were very much a thing, which they've yeah. only really kind of become a thing in the last like three yeah four, yeah yeah you know and even then it was like you tell people that you were going to do it and they'd say but why like why am I going to pay this much money for not booze that's okay now that's a question I still have. As much as I agree with the NA programs and and I do love them because it's it's important to take breaks, especially in our industry. And and I do like what people have have done in terms of like producing things that taste good and they don't just taste like a bunch of juices mixed together, right? Like yeah. there's a little bit more um, there's layers to it. Uh, I think the thing that that's important about this section and this kind of family thing is it's more exposure to the uncle nearest story which is this was actually a black guy that came up with the recipe for Jack Daniels and was never given the credit. And so now you're going to have more ways to, you know, just set those impressions on people. Oh, it's because you don't, you don't give slaves credit, right? So that's correct. Kind of very, very true. Yes. So this is going to be like another way to do that. So, okay. So that's what, that's what, and, and they're, they're doing lots of different things right now in terms of the company of Uncle Nearest. One of the other things they talk about in the in the article was they actually helped launch a um, they started a fifty million dollar fund that is going to be supporting black owned spirit brands. And the first one they did was actually Jackie Summers brand. Jackie's so, really that's so yeah, shout right. out to Jackie Summers. That's so who's rad. I've only got to have conversations with um, via Facebook. And he just like treats you like he's your best friend. Like you just like reach out and ask him a question and you just kind of yeah. like, you're like, yes, we've clearly been boys for yeah. the longest time. <laughs> Thank you, sir. And, uh, but he's super great. He's also, uh, he's also very motivational too. Cause he's like insanely fit. Um, which is, is, is that motivational for you? It is for me. It's incredibly, uh, terrifying for me. <laughs> so I'm afraid he's going to ask me to do a push up just for like answering a question. I, well, I, mean, I can do one. So, uh, so I got that going for me, but, uh, but yeah, so they also have that program going too, which I think is really awesome. And I love the fact that, you know, it is, what's the name of Jackie spirit? Sorel. Sorel. Oh, Sorel his. Yeah. I didn't know that. So he, he just a, a little backstory for those of you who don't know Jackie, you should follow him. He's the Lickatorian, I believe on yeah. Instagram. Um, but first, uh, black, uh, spirit brand owner in the United States mm-hmm. uh, and created this amazing, um, this amazing spirit Sorel. Um, it's like a sorrel uh, liqueur, uh, but it's beautiful. It's complex. Yeah. It's, it's delicious. And shout out to Jackie for, for paving the way for uh, black brand owners and, and future distillers as well. So the way that um, the it's a traditional Caribbean drink, and it's made from Moroccan hibiscus, Brazilian clove, Indonesian cassia, Nigerian ginger, Indonesian nutmeg, cane sugar, in organic grain alcohol so to dope. bring. And so, my, so that's a brand that's coming. My back. new that's, my new goal for for like next year is to get Jackie to come out for Juneteenth. That'd be cool. That'd be dope, yes. right? All right, we're st- we're officially starting a campaign. Campaign is starting now. Start now. We'll also, on this. 
we're going to probably just reach out to him and just see, <laughs> you know, cause that, that's probably a thing. But everybody do it. Everybody I want everybody it. to do it. Yeah. <laughs> So, but, but anyway, so that's, you know, so, so Uncle Nearest is, you know, taking this platform and this popularity that, it, that has grown pretty dramatically. I mean, I remember seeing them at Whiskeys of the World four years ago. Yeah. And uh, I was just like, I was like, oh, this is really cool. It was the first time I had he- heard the story. And then now it's just like, it seems like it's everywhere. So it's, uh, it's really cool. It was be exciting to see what that expansion looks like. And, um, you know, when that opens up, go get yourself a non-alcoholic drink. Non-alcoholic cocktail. Yeah. With your kids. With your kids. And then buy and, some whiskey after. And then go down to Jack Daniels where they will give you a Jack Daniels gummy because they you can't drink it there either. Fantastic. It's dry. County? It's a uh, moist county, I oh, think. Moist. moist county. Is that a real thing? It's a mo- it's a real thing. Yeah. What is that? So you can like make it, but you can't drink it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, he that's can, and you can you cannot sell it. I think that's I think that's the definition. Do you think like the person who came up with that is like I'm going to call it moist? <laughs> you think they'll approve the name? And his buddy's like he, he's like no, there's no way you're going to get moist approved. That is a universally hated word. He's like I'm going to do it. He was like moist, moist. county. <laughs> <laughs> and so and they, there was like a real heated debate about it. They're like you know what. You know what, Jimbo? Fine. Fine, Jimbo. We're calling it Moist. It's a Moist County now. And that's the story of the Moist County. You think it was the Colonel? No. It wasn't the Colonel? No, he had too many other things going on. Not the Colonel. Sorry, I meant Lynchburg, but, you know, different Colonel. That's Kentucky. You were thinking of. I'm thinking of every Colonel. It was just, no, he had he had a high-ranking position. He had no time for Moist County. Don't they keep the name after they retire? We can it's like president, man, this podcast is going so well. <laughs> Crazy. This Great is why, turn. this is why doing them in person is the fucking best <laughs> because you don't stay on topic at all. But I think it is time to move on to my favorite segment. You know, who's dope them over there. Okay. So as I mentioned, this is our dope follows section. In this section, what we're going to do is we're going to tell you either cool uh, social media accounts, books, p- other podcasts, but make sure you still listen to ours, uh, things to check out that we think are super dope. So, Sam, special guest, is it is it disc golf related, your dope follow? It's not. Damn it. I was really hoping to break into this market. Okay. So, who is your dope follow? Uh, my dope follow is Radical Exchange, um, and that is uh, Radical, uh, the letter X, and the word change. Um, this is a a group of hospitality professionals. Um, shout out to Ashton Berry and Capri uh, for uh, kind of the founders of Radical Exchange, but they... It's, it's kind of hard for me to classify what it is. It's just one of those things that it's like if you are interested in the hospitality world, in spirits, in food, in wine, in any of these like adjacent categories, Radical Exchange is here to help elevate your knowledge about things that matter relating to everything in the industry. They host a uh, – they hosted a – 
virtual uh, cocktail seminar of sorts during COVID that was probably one of the coolest experiences I've had uh, in in the, in the spirit and hospitality world. Like I've never been to a tasting or education that was as, I don't know, uh, pivotal for me and like thought provoking as, as give me Brown. Um, but it was kind of focusing this specific, uh, um, event that they held. Give me Brown was focused on all like kind of Brown folks talking about coffee, chocolate, uh, rum, whiskey, uh, literally kind of all things that brown people have a, a hand in making or producing or selling, um, but, you know, are kind of underrepresented in that category. So if that was kind of the moment where I was like, wow, I want to be friends with everyone involved in this. I want to be a part of this. I want, I just love it. It's, and from then on, I've been an avid follower and supporter you know, all of their programming that they they do, all of their Instagram lives, it's all just thought provoking and something that I think everyone could benefit from listening, even if they're not in the spirit world or hospitality industry. It's just, you know, ways to get involved with marginalized folks, figure out how to change your language, figure out how to like be a better person. And I'm I'm all about it. So go follow Radical Exchange. It's on Instagram, yeah. Instagram, Radical Exchange. Gimme Brown was was awesome. I remember watching the coffee one. Yeah, that was like was so good. It totally changed my whole perspective on coffee. No, I was just like, I was like, what is happening? And then there was another one where they had like an assemblyman on it, and he was just talking about like community. uh, You know, especially to take Ashen's a is a bucket list like guest for this podcast. Yeah, definitely. Um, and the only, the only reason I haven't asked her yet is because I haven't worked up the liquid courage to, to do so because yeah. I feel like she's way too big of a deal. She's a bucket list friend. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I hope someday I get to like be friends with you. Yeah. Like, yeah. How, I, but... We've had some like brief interchanges, you know, exchanges on, on Instagram. I'm always kind of like, I'm like, I'm like, Oh, she responded to that. Okay. Like, you know, I'm, so eventually, hopefully, we can we can get on. Chris, uh, who's your don't follow? Uh, mine is this uh, rad artist out of SoCal. Uh, it is uh, on Instagram. You can follow him at Nuge and Wood. It's N U G E and Wood. And it's this dude who just kind of like I think he blew up a lot of because of Instagram. And just does this amazing uh, uh, wood art uh, that is very textural, and and he plays with. Um, paint and 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 variation in color and shine and texture and everything like that and it's really right and he just creates these i think what would arguably be sort of considered like hotel pieces you know like the stuff that you walk in and it's just like on on the wall or something like that you're like ah cool i'm just gonna keep going but um but he makes like (laughs) tables he makes he makes uh big like just wall pieces huge it's so immersive um, just staring at his work, even just through a, a phone screen. And I love it. It's, it's so much fun. Okay, good. Nuge. I like it. Nuge. Nuge. <laughs> so Nuge and Wood. Nuge and Wood. On Instagram. <laughs> That's right. Okay. What about you, buddy? All right. So I have two. Um, one is a little less serious and it's going to be dad dot wilder. And it's a dad meme page. Yep. And it just, it's the really, best. it really resonates with yep. me. So like, even if you're not a dad, follow it. It's mm-hmm. 
fucking hilarious. And I just, I, I really like it. And then the, and this has been mentioned on this podcast before. In fact, it was, it was mentioned on Justin's podcast that, that Sam had mentioned you listened to earlier. And it is um, Thad, Thad Vogler's book by the smoke and the smell. Mm. I inhaled that book and in particular, the very beginning by of it. By smoke and smell? Yeah, by smoke. That's by, how you inhaled it? Yes. And um, it was like one of those, it was one of those things like as I'm reading it and kind of similar to what Sam had said about Ashen, it's like, that is now a bucket list friend of mine where I'm kind of like, I'm like, this is possible. This person is relatively close to me because she's down in San Francisco. I know we have mutual friends. That's just, there's no doubt about it. Like, I need to be friends with this person because like the first, the first uh, two parts he's talking about cognac and armiac and stuff like that. And right off the bat, I'm, I'm just completely entranced with the way that he writes, the way that he talks. And I'm like, this is how I talk about things. And then he gets into scotch whiskey and rum and like all the same views. I'm like, this isn't, but he's also excessively vulnerable throughout the entire book. And he talks about all of his struggles. And unfortunately a lot of those struggles came to fruition over the past year. And a lot of his bars had to, had to close down. And, um, and so I just really enjoyed it. And I know people are, are always clamoring for like the next Anthony Bourdain. And I definitely don't want to put that type of pressure on it, but there's having that personal touch in addition to exploring these places and these families and stuff that he actually got to go and experience and tell these different stories. It was like, was like, this is really cool. We've talked about some of his articles that he's written since yep. then on yep. this podcast. And I, you know, and the article was good, but like after reading this book, I'm like, I need to be friends with this person. That's amazing. And, and I'm going to have it. So, so definitely check that out. So again, dad Wilder on Instagram and then by the smoke and smell Thad's book, check it out. I, I put a couple of screenshots like on my Instagram and there's like one where he just buries the bourbon industry. And I'm like, yep, we're best friends. Yeah. Like this is how he closes. <laughs> yeah. Like he closes out the book by just burying bourbon. I'm like, yes. Like, it's like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, is this who I pray to now? I don't get it. Like, you know, this is uh that's it. But yeah, so those are, those are dumb. Do you guys have any dope follows? Should we, should we reach yeah, out? Let's to open it up to the fucking peanut gallery behind us. Oh man, yeah, I mean, yeah. well, hold on. technical issues. No, we're, we're good. good. We're good. I would say like my followers are more like just like like boosters of uh, of morale. And one of the persons that I like to follow Follows. is, which is crazy for me, right? Yeah. Is uh, Fernando Rosa's bass. This dude like plays all the fucking dope tracks that are like disco, funk, yeah. like reggae tracks, like pop. Jason Wilde put me onto this dude. Uh, a couple months ago, and I, I second that a hundred percent. Everyone should go follow him. It will make your day better. Dude, he's just this dude like playing bass, and he's like just like just playing all the fucking cuts, and you're just like, oh, all right, dope. And you're like, this is so sick. He's and also a find- fly brother with a dope afro, so I can resonate with him. It is true. I'm just a bass player. Oh, he's got that like that. Like I see Sam, and he's always smiling, and then I see Fernando, and he's always smiling too. So it's just like just brings a warmness to my heart. Like, <laughs> I would say that, and then on the opposite curve, that is Lord Von Schmidt, who basically does all of this like. Um, he does this clothing wear and like uh, parasol, like uh, umbrellas, all from um, from knitting. Just as all this like kind of like knitted design that they took from like Afghans, and he makes these fucking crazy outfits, and they're just amazing. I, I would I would check it out. It's pretty pretty cool. Yeah. Dope. I don't have one that comes up the top of my head. So I put it on the spot. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
cool. I just I like to follow a lot of like um, like artists that I know, um, like local photographers and stuff. James Tran is like a really great um, uh, industry kind of food and beverage photographer. I really like what he's doing right now because he's highlighting a lot of chefs, um, doing a lot of like um, culinary work with his photography. So he kind of like went real heavy with cocktails and, and stuff like that. And then he kind of transitioned and kind of been um, melding like the food and cocktail world. So I really like his work right now and what he's doing. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So we got uh, James Tran and then Jason, yours is again. Was Lord Von Schmidt. Lord, Lord, oh yeah, I do follow that guy. Yeah, it's yeah. Great. that's it's amazing. He did a he did like a, a bikini bottom. Oh yeah, yeah, that was like it was great. It, it was it was more genital uh, the one that I saw. It really caught me. <laughs> it really caught me off guard when I was scrolling through Instagram. What I like about it, it kind of reminds me of like the Tom McFinland stuff. Have you ever looked at Tom McFinland? No. He's like, he, so obviously this Finnish dude that does all this like super like homoerotic like art, but it's like the best stuff because it's like so anti-establishmentarian. It's like, like like two buff cops like making out and stuff like that. And you're like, yes, that's fucking amazing. I love it. Like, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So those are some pretty dope follows. Two pops of the champagne. <laughs> God damn it. Ah, the Good Bottle Podcast is brought to you by Fluid Concepts. Music is... I don't know what you wrote on this script, Drew. You're really bad at work. This is an old one. This I don't is know. an old one. Yeah, I know. Sorry. Uh, music for the Good Bottle Podcast is orchestrated by the Mora Brothers. And produced awkwardly, definitely, by us two guys. Before we go kill the second bottle that we've been drinking uh, uh, <laughs> uh we ask that if you enjoyed this episode because clearly you did and welcome back uh please subscribe like leave us a five-star review and write something even if it's just hi you can also follow us on instagram or facebook at the good bottle podcast or on our personal accounts at d garrison six or chris Flair. sam where can they follow you follow my personal page is samson miller that's s-a-m-s-o-n underscore miller m-i-l-l-e-r and also go give our organization b4 change a follow that's the letter b the number four period change you can also support this podcast one of two ways one you can visit our etsy shop get yourself a fanny pack it's dope you'll love it it's our hottest selling item. We've s- Chris didn't think it would sell, so and it's totally this. selling. Um, and you can also check out anchor.fm slash Podcast, and you can provide us with all the monies to improve our production value. If you would like for us to cover a story, or if you work with a brand that wants to be featured, please email us at goodbottlepodcast at gmail.com. Pretty please. And as a reminder, you can purchase these bottles that we drank on this episode at thegoodbottleshop.com, like this goose bottle. But until next time, cheers, buddy. Cheers, boys. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. We can't totally figure it out, or people would be like, that's not on brand.